Welcome to episode 49 of the RXP Podcast, where three working professionals talk about the movies, video games, and TV shows that they love to enjoy in their free time. I'm your host for today's episode, Alex, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tiffany. We're getting closer and closer to the Animal Crossing New Horizons version 2.0. And Matt? What kind of ad read is this? We're not even getting sponsored. (laughs) We don't got that Nintendo sponsor. We don't got that big Nintendo money. <laughs> I wish we did. All our uncles from Nintendo are leaving us on red every week. I'm like speaking of money. Dang it. <laughs> that might tie in to today's main topic of the show. But before we delve into what today's topic of the show is, as always, we have to start every episode promptly with our variety game no, segment. No, no, no. Don't be saying t- lies like that. Not every episode. Most. Every episode with an asterisk. Most, an asterisk. Most episodes. Kind of. Yeah. There's an asterisk. Or just add ish to the end of the sentence. Most Every episode ish. <laughs> and so for today's variety game segment, I am titling this game. And it, uh, indeed, it's another brand new game. Multi-millionaires. Ooh. So, for wow, this we're game, all unfamiliar I'll be ask- with this. <laughs> so, for this game, uh, I'll be asking my co-hosts here to rank a list of items I have collect- I've uh, collected here, and the theme of this list is that they are numbers in the millions of a specific thing related to the item. So here it's and let me specifically explain this. I have one movie, one game, one TV show and one book. And so I would like my co-hosts here to rank them based on a specific attribute related to each item. So for the movie in this case, and I guess I'll just go through the items as well. So let me explain what we have here. So for the game, we have Gran Turismo, or excuse me, not Gran Turismo. <laughs> I don't know why I have Gran Turismo <laughs> on the brain. We have Grand Theft Auto V, which was released in 2013. For the TV show, we have Netflix's Squid Game. For the book, we have J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. And for the movie, we have the 2014 classic, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Classic. The classic. So, for Grand Theft Auto V, the number I have collected for this is related to the number of copies that this has shipped. For Squid Game, this is the number of households that have watched Squid Game. And so... All of these are publicized data items that I have collected across the internet. Whether or not they are accurate to 2021 varies. Some of these data points have been collected in previous years, but this, I'm going based off the data I collected. For The Hobbit, it is how many copies of The Hobbit have been sold. And for How to Train Your Dragon 2, it is the, in US dollars, the domestic box office sales. Wait, so what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to rank these? So, yeah, based on the like the number I've collected for each of these, rank them from highest to lowest. And also to give you an additional hint, 
I called it multimillionaires because obviously all of these numbers are in the millions. So I want you to rank it. What is the respective? So for How to Train Your Dragon 2, it's you know domestic box office sales. And then for The Hobbit, the number of copies it's sold. Squid Game, how many households stream Squid Game? And then for Grand Theft Auto V, how many co- copies were shipped? Mm, okay. And rank them from highest to lowest. Highest to lowest. All right. And while my co-hosts here are doing that, I'll explain how I will reward points for this. In case uh, they both guess the correct position of the, or correct number in the each respective position, the same, I'll each be, they'll each be earning a point in our long running total. And if uh, one gets more correct than the other, then they will earn a point and the other person will not earn a point for this game. So yeah, it's it's either someone will come out a winner here today. All right. Sounds good. As I know, and previous listeners of the podcast will also be aware that neither of them currently have points. So this is to get at least one of them on the scoreboard for a long running total. Excellent. I'm ready. All right. My co-hosts are ready. On the count of two, that's that's correct. On the count of two, show me your list. And one, two. Okay, so we have Tiffany who ranks GTA 5 at the top, then How to Train Your Dragon 2 as second, Squid Game as third, and The Hobbit as fourth. We then have Matt with The Hobbit as first, How to Train Your Dragon 2 as second, GTA 5 as third, and Squid Game as fourth. And so with that, Tiffany takes the game. Nice. Oh, with getting boy. two correct. Oh, two. And Matt getting zero correct. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh. So going, going in order from lowest to highest, The Hobbit is indeed the lowest with... 140 million copies sold. Okay. That's surprising. And also keeping in mind, The Hobbit was originally published in 1937. So over the past, you know, over 80 years, 140 million copies sold. As I said, I'm not sure if this date is accurate to 2021, but as far as I'm concerned, it's accurate for the most part. So. Okay. We'll go off of that. Writers, if you know of something, or maybe if my co-host knows something else that's m- maybe more accurate, you know, correct me by writing in to at rxp underscore podcast on Twitter or rxp.podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of these stats. So Squid Game is indeed at third place with 142 million households that have streamed Squid Game. Oh, snap. Wow, so that means Dragon 2 had made more money than GTA 5's number. Yeah, GTA 5, which was released in 2013, shipped 150 million copies. And How to Train Your Dragon 2, you know, the 2014 classic, had a U.S. domestic box office sales of $177 million. Impressive. Some good stuff. So with, so with that, Tiffany earns a point on the board, which puts me at three points. Tiffany at one point, and Matt, you know, struggling in the dirt <laughs> like Waluigi. Wow! That one meme where he didn't make it to Smash. 
Don't worry, though. I'm pretty sure there'll be future ch- chances for Matt to, to earn <laughs> some points and get up there on the scoreboard. But with that, we wrap this Friday game segment and we move on to the main topic of the show, which hopefully the game gave you an idea of what we might be talking about. And that is, you know, popularity. And by popularity, I like to use a specific term that maybe isn't often used, you know, in normal public, you know, common vocabulary or vernacular, if you will. And that's the term zeitgeist. So here and, you know, for the listeners out there that maybe you don't know or maybe you have heard the term zeitgeist, but you don't know exactly what it means or maybe you've never heard the term zeitgeist at all before. I have pulled up on Merriam-Webster.com, the dictionary definition, and on Merriam-Webster, the essential meaning of zeitgeist is the general beliefs, ideas, and spirit of a time and place. And the full definition is the general intellectual, moral, and cultural climate of an era. And so with that perspective, when I talk about the zeitgeist, I'm talking about, you know, basically hype. You know, like when when something new is coming out or is out, there's a general hype that's usually created for things that a lot of people like. Right. And so I like to use the term and say, oh, the zeitgeist behind X thing. And part of the inspiration for this episode is, I think, the most recent zeitgeist in at least, you know, U.S. culture and I guess generally international culture. Netflix is Squid Game. Right. As I mentioned, the game. 142 million households have streamed it. It became Netflix's most streamed TV show, or I guess original content TV show ever. And so you you might say there was a veritable zeitgeist. There was a very positive zeitgeist behind Netflix's Squid Game. And so with that in mind, today's episode, I want to lead off with kind of this topic is generally you know, and for my co-host, what are your thoughts of kind of round zeitgeist? Is this a positive thing? Is this a negative thing? And if it is a positive thing, are there specific things where the zeitgeist slash popularity of something that actually got you to watch it slash experience something and enjoy it? So I feel like I have two really good examples of how I succumbed to the zeitgeist in the last month. Uh, number one, I finally watched Squid Game. So nice. I uh, I watched that with my parents and enjoyed that experience you know I it intrigues me about how it got such a hype uh, yeah so did it live up to the hype in your opinion like can you understand why it was so popular or became so popular I think I think it's more of like the shock factor which you know to be honest y- y'all need to listen to our peer review that Matt did with um, a special guest where they peer-reviewed Squid Game. You know, at the time, I was not in on the hype on a timely fashion to join in on the conversation because it was recorded before I watched the show. But uh, you guys should definitely um, take a listen to that on our podcast feed. But um, I think it's more of like the wow factor that it had maybe. Uh, Also, you know, it's different. It's... A Korean drama, but it was made more easily accessible for a lot of folks because they dubbed it in English. You know, shows like Lupin, um, Money Heist, they're making it really accessible for a lot of viewers. So I think that really helps. So it, it overcomes a language barrier and you're able to discuss it 
you know, with a variety of folks. And there are people that really prefer audio listening to English speaking audio rather than lis- what, reading subtitles. So I know that um, I'm very fond of subtitles and I will listen to I pretty much always have subtitles or captions on all my streaming platforms just because it's also easier for me to like if I don't really understand what they're saying, they're using specific terminology it's easy to see there. Anyway, that's kind of a tangent. However, um, yeah, I, I, I guess it did live up to the hype. I mean, I kind of went after I finished the show. I was like, Alex, you need to get on this. Like, you should watch it. You know, did you watch it, Alex? Which I have not watched. Oh yet. my gosh! So yeah, for the record, and I, I'll get in. Oh, I guess I'll address it now. So I would say, even though we're this is kind of for a future part, but for me in Squid Game. Yeah, specifically, I I wouldn't say I'm immune to the zeitgeist because there are a lot of things I do enjoy when they come out. You know, things like especially anime related. You might have heard of things like My Hero Academia or Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. You know, these are kind of popular animes that have definitely also moved over into the Western culture sphere, if you will. And it's it's a kind of a callback to you know the older animes that have reached you know and reached Western audiences, right? Things like Dragon Ball things like Naruto, things like Bleach. And these are all shows where I'm not necessarily keeping up to them on their weekly releases, but I'm definitely intrigued by it. And I think Squid Game for me is a similar thing where I it's on my list. I'm definitely not not going to watch not it. Avoiding. But it's just not something yeah, I'm not necessarily actively, you know, pursuing it despite, you know, it being so popular. So um that was one. I do have to say that shows are kind of hit or miss for me. Like Tiger King, mm-hmm. I did not get on that hype. I guess, but I'll like Alex said, I'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, and then another thing that I kind of like got caught up in the zeitgeist that I'm trying to experience, but I'm having trouble is Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game that came out. Um, a lot of people had pretty favorable reviews of of it. You know, getting a solid like eight out of ten in multiple outlets, and suddenly I was like. I want to play this game. You know, I just got off of playing some other games. I wrapped up, you know, Kana earlier this month. I wrapped up the Forgotten City. I'm kind of in this nice little boat or like nice little place kind of in between games waiting. I'm doing the bad, shameful thing of ignoring literally 30 games that I have on my backlog because I'm just like, what? new thing can I play I mean I did start an older game but that's another story anyway yeah so I'm I feel like I'm easily susceptible to hype like I'm I'm pretty susceptible especially if I go looking (laughs) for like my community like you would not believe how excited I was about Pokemon Sword and Shield like two years ago Mm -hmm. I was like absurdly excited for it and Alex could not understand what was going on with me but i was like oh my god pokemon. you know like every week they were like showing off a new evolution or a new care like a pokemon and i was just like counting down the days to november it was like at, kind of out of control i did not watch that 24-hour video stream of a jungle forest looking for po- i did not do that but i what that's too much that hype. Was, that's that was too, too hype. hype. But like, yeah, people were getting excited for it, and like, you know, the first console Pokemon get. You know what I mean? Like, I I can get, I can get lost in a tsunami of hype. Mm-hmm. That's just where I am. But like, yeah, it is kind of hit or miss. It depends on the situation. 
Matt, are you as easily susceptible to the hype train as Tiffany is? Yeah, I think so. Like, it takes a lot for me to watch, like, a TV show. I think I'm less susceptible for that, but um, I'm very willing to give things a try. Like, I, I'm very willing to, like, okay, there's a lot of hype on something. Um, like, something that's probably not going to be a popular opinion um, that I guess... We could have talked about it later, but like I'll just say it because I do want to go back to it. Is Shit's Creek? I've watched one episode and was like, maybe I'm just not in the mood for it right now. Maybe like I'll come back to it, and like I do have plans to come back to it. But like that is like actual awards have been given to them, so like I know objectively it should be something I like. So I'm going to give it another whirl. But like Squid Game, there was a lot of hype on the internet. Um, I had Gerald, who is our special guest for Squid Game. He actually told me... Spoilers! That's fine. It's fine. They, they've already listened to it, right? Right, people? Oh, of course. Um, of course, listeners, yeah. So he told me about it, and he's like, hey, you, sh- you need to check this out. Like, seriously, you need to check this out. So I feel like I get very hype when people I trust try to get me hype for something. Um, or when they market things and say hey if you are a fan of this and a fan of this then you're gonna love this um so two examples for that is that you guys probably remember early i I guess it was probably late last year we're looking towards 2021 what we were excited for what we were not excited for i think there was a state of play that showed returnal and i literally was like that game i that game does not look good like, that game is definitely something I'm going to pass on. But then a lot of people in the industry just started really talking about it and saying, hey, like, this is a game. Like, this is a good game. Um, so I started seeing all that hype. And so it made me want to see if the hype is worth it. And Returnal completely delivered. Like, it was, it was, it's one of my best games of the year. Um, that with um, also Forgotten City, which was something that was not on my radar. But then I heard a bunch of people on podcasts that I listened to talk about Forgotten City. Hey, like, just give it a try. Don't go looking for things. Just give it a try. And so I was like, okay, hey, you know, I'm all about the hype. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a good little try. And then if it's terrible, I can always turn it off. Um, and most of the time... Like, because I wait for, like, almost, like, trusted individuals to tell me their opinion, most of the times, they're actually really good recommendations, and I enjoy my time. Um, There's not many times where I go into it, and I'm like, ugh, what a waste. Right. And I I think I really agree with you. It's when the zeitgeist has reached, like, people I know in real life, and they're further recommending it to me, it's kind of that benchmark of oh okay you know it's not just the internet that's excited but it's also people that i actually talk to in person it's people i relate with that are now also further recommending it to me and i think that's where if it gets that deep then it's more influential to me like things like you know death store that matt has spoken on previous episodes of the podcast i've recently picked it up haven't played it yet but i'm definitely intending to but if it wasn't for Matt's, you know, egging me on, and on top of that, also for Returnal, I would never have gotten these games. So it definitely is that extra level of, despite, you know, a lot of people in the news, in media, just saying, hey, this is good stuff, you know, I enjoy it, that I need that little extra layer of like, oh, someone I know, like a close friend or family member is like saying, oh yeah, you should you should check this out. And typically that that's when I do. And I think... 
that beyond that, you know, for the most part, no one's led me astray. I, I think there are times where I knew, despite someone recommending it to me, that I wouldn't be too into it. I still went in, but I had those reservations going in. This is something on the line the lines of Animal Crossing New Horizons that came out last year in 2020. You know, Tiffany really wanted me to pick lead it up. You astray. No, I'm saying you didn't lead me astray, but I knew despite your hype for it and you wanting me to experience it as well, that I knew regardless of that, I had already my expectations of how much I would enjoy it. And indeed, my expectations were met of, you know, going through it. It's a quaint time, but it wasn't something that I knew I was really going to enjoy. And for the most part, I think that held true where there were some cute things about the game, but it really didn't go beyond what I thought it was going to be, which is just, just kind of like, oh, I played this for about a month slash two months, and then I came back for my birthday, and then that was it type of game. Um, you know, despite it being my most played game on <laughs> my Switch, for some reason, yeah. somehow. <laughs> but that was also because you got me to keep playing it. So, you know, that's kind of an outlying factor. I also there. hoard out your island when your turnip prices were high. I exactly. invited Getting the internet to... to- I didn't, I'm, you invited right. me. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I was just an open shop to be like, "Hey, turnip prices are going for like a thousand bells each." Like, come that's get them where on you first eye. met Matt. Yeah, <laughs> in his top hat, I'll forever remember that top hat. That's right. He gets he dresses to impress new people. You know. That's right. <laughs> exactly, and you'd be like, "Thanks," and then he leaves with his bags full of or his pockets full of money yeah. from my May. Just. Selling at a high rate or buying at a high rate. Um, But yeah, so I guess going into that, you know, Animal Crossing wasn't something that I guess I I wouldn't say I was disappointed by. You didn't join the zeitgeist or Animal Crossing? Right. But I guess I want to lead it. And this is my segue and hopefully it's a good segue. But for me, I feel like zeitgeist are both a blessing and a curse, right? Because while generally speaking, it seems like when the people I know are really into it, that it probably is something I would also enjoy. At the same time, if it's not something I get around to immediately, I feel like the zeitgeist is that, oh, you don't know when you're going to get spoiled, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you think about the internet these days, you know, social media in general, a lot of people are talking about things on the daily, almost... Like, even seconds after something gets announced or revealed, it's on social media, right? And so there is this kind of wariness you need to come into play that even with the people you know, even with the people who you might follow slash care about their opinions, you could get spoiled on something, right? I know, you know, one example, when Baby Yoda, his name, you know, was finally revealed in The Mandalorian, there's kind of this weird feeling of saying, you know, especially for the people that may not be watching the show week to week as soon as an episode comes out that may not want to be spoiled on that name reveal that ended up, you know, and I, my prayers go out to you if you were spoiled before you actually watch the episode, that if they saw Baby Yoda's name on social media before they watched it, that I felt like that takes away from the experience. And I think this is kind of that you know, cursed side of the zeitgeist where something might be so exciting, so interesting that because of how much you want to talk about it, you end up ruining it for others. And so I'm usually very wary when things get super popular 
because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want my experience spoiled. Like I want to be just as excited as you were when you enjoyed it, even if I enjoy it, you know, maybe three months later. Luckily, I haven't been too spoiled on Squid Game. And though this is not a, you know, ask to say, go tweet at us and spoil Squid Game for me so I get spoiled <laughs> by, please don't do that. But I think that, you know, I've been lucky where for the things I plan on experiencing later on, I still haven't, or I've managed to avoid spoilers. And so on that note, is there any times where the zeitgeist, and not to say it's spoiled or spoiled you, but Coz, is there a time when the zeitgeist has led you astray? Is there something where people were very positive on it and it ended up being something that you didn't jive with? Um, I mean, there were zeitgeists that just never intrigued me in the first place. Like I mentioned Tiger King. Um, I never watched that show. And, you know, for a while I thought it was a movie. I But it was, it was a show. Um, and I know they're coming out with a season two. So I'm kind of like, eh, whatever about that. But usually I feel like recommendations that people have given me have been the ones that I've taken up have been mostly positive. Um, come back around to me. <laughs> All right, Matt, how about you? Yeah, I think it goes back to that personal touch and like knowing if something actually should jive with you. Like there's, um, there's a game that's out on steam called inscription. And it's one of those things. It's, a lot of my the people that I trust that like certain like like similar games to me are all about it, and a lot of them are actually talking about how this may be a game of the year contender for some news outlets. Um, but for me, I know I don't care about deck building. I don't care about card based mechanics, and it's a card based game. So for me, I know I'm not going to fall into that zeitgeist because no matter how good and quality of a card game it is, it's just not. Genre that I'm really interested in. Um, one that's a little bit more pertinent to me is actually one of my biggest disappointments of the year, uh, which was 12 Minutes. 12 Minutes was a game that I was really hyped about. Um, I was very, very hyped about. I downloaded it day one on Game Pass. Thankfully, I had Game Pass, so I didn't really pay any extra <laughs> for it. Um, a lot of my friends really liked it. Yasser really enjoyed it. I think he, he really liked it um i think part of that was because um he said he didn't care for my my biggest problem was that it really was a point and click adventure and i was on console he said that if you bumped up the sensitivity it's a lot better but i just don't even care to to do it again um but it was one of those things time loops is a big thing for 2021 and it was an interesting time loop and i just don't think that it really hit the mark for me going from that I went straight into Forgotten City and I was like, this is something that is hyped, but like hyped well, like it deserved the hype. 12 minutes, I don't think really deserved the hype. And I think a lot of people, it turned into more of a mixed bag as far as reviews and what people liked about it or didn't like about it. Um, so I felt a little bit uh, vindicated there. But yeah, 12 minutes, definitely a zeitgeist casualty for me in 2021. So I have two examples now that has come back to me. Um, so one of the zeitgeists that I think, think didn't, I didn't like mel mesh well with like the movie Joker by Joaquin that 
that Joaquin Phoenix, right? Was that the actor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I watched it and a lot of people said it was like a really great, you know, moving telling of the story of the Joker. I just felt Mm -hmm. so uncomfortable in the entire movie because they were doing their dang best job portraying a very unhinged, awkward gentlemen slowly creep into madness like Mm -hmm. but i will never watch that movie again like i did not enjoy watching it i was basically watching like a a a man be mistreated and turn into a psychopath so like that was not Mm -hmm. fun for me but like everyone was like praising you know his performance and and all this stuff right like which i i get but it just really wasn't my cup of tea um the other thing that has recently i feel like has just gotten so popular at least mainstream recently in the last like five to ten years is dungeons dungeons and dragons i feel like that has gotten more mainstream with like you know a lot of famous people critical role really making it um more like uh, accessible for a lot of different people on the internet and then even famous actors like joe i always forget how to pronounce his last name meng gianello the actor that was in um that was sofia vergara's husband that was in blue bloods or was it blue bloods he was in that he was the werewolf in that hbo show way back when with sookie and the vampires whatever this guy you got and he's in a d he's in dc now this actor very attractive famous like actor well built and all that jazz he like came out saying like i'm a huge dungeons and dragons dude and like you know gets a whole group of really famous people together to play I experienced that during the pandemic um, online because people were, you know, trying to really reconnect with people, their friends and family via online services like Tabletop, Tabletopia and like all this stuff. There was like a website that you could do Dungeons and Dragons like made easy a little bit. You know, you can all look at the same map if you're in a room together. Anyway, that is really not that kind of experience is really not for me. I love board games and I've I own many and play many different kinds, but I could not get behind having a sheet of paper with my stats and then like announcing what I was doing. Hmm. And then trying and then imagining what was happening. You know what I like <laughs> It just even having a little icon on a map like this is my pog, this is me like my little dwarfin archer you know what i mean like i just uh-huh. it, yeah it just i couldn't get behind it and everyone i know a lot of people that like dungeons and dragons dungeons and dragons has always been one of those things i i never really grew up around dungeons and dragons me neither um but when i was i guess it was maybe in pharmacy pharmacy school at some point um i had a, f- a close friend and his brother come to richmond and we went to a concert in norfolk and so they were just like meeting me there and then we we all drove together to norfolk to this uh to this concert and i didn't realize that my friend's older brother had played dungeons and dragons for he's been in like one campaign group or i don't know if they call themselves anything other than that but for like eight years like eight years they have met every week for eight years to do it and like for them it's like a big social thing i was like man 
I kind of want to do that, which I never did because I don't think I could find three friends that would agree to <laughs> meet every week. Um, but then look, now we have all three of us meeting here every week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here's We the- could have done it. <laughs> See, listen, you give me a video game that says you are a dwarven rogue, whatever, you know, and like go through the, like, I'll do that all day. Like, I'll Mm -hmm. be, do. Uh, That's Divinity Original (laughs) Sin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, maybe apparently I won't do that all day. But yeah, I just like that type of experience just didn't, I didn't jive with it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because we, it was online. I don't really know. I was like, Mm -hmm. I like it just the zeitgeist of it which like how long is a zeitgeist like i is it so the dictionary definition doesn't a have time frame. a time frame but i think it depends on the thing right because here for merriam webster they they're use it in a sense is his songs perfectly captured the zeitgeist of 1960s america yeah so like i feel like it's like a it's an era of time right you know like squid game right but that era could be any length right like for squid game it really is a month yeah right because i think they rated it off of views within the first month Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure that most people that wanted to watch it have watched it already. So it could be as short as a month. It could be as short, and it seems like these days, right, as a TikTok, right? It seems like there's a lot of zeitgeist between people posting TikToks, and those are maybe 15 seconds. So as long as, like, those things are, so it's not just, like, how long the thing is, but also, like, how long it stays kind of in the mind space. People. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people yeah. remember yeah. it, right? Like it is relevant to the yeah, conversation. Anyway, like kind of bringing um, it back really quick to the Joker thing. Like I went to the theater to watch it because people were talking about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll go check it out. And then here we are. It's kind of interesting to see the marketing part of the zeitgeist if you like really take a cynical look at everything. Um, like an example that happened this week is that Far Far Cry 6 happened maybe a couple weeks ago, and it was kind of like, a you know, uh, what's that, a flash in the pan? Like, it was like, here, gone, you know, okay, got a Far Cry 8, you know, like, that Far Cry's always gotten for the past, like, 10 years. But it's interesting because for all the players that started up the game but then didn't finish the game, Giancarlo Esposito's character sent an email to all those people to tell them that, he had won and like that they since they hadn't finished the campaign or something like there's some marketing that's gone on with far cry 6 and it's almost like a way to kind of like reignite that flash in the pan to try to extend that zeitgeist enough so that they can get enough money so they can do far cry 7 you know put in space maybe i don't know um but it's kind of interesting to see all these things like even with squid game like when squid game was breaking records they weren't going to sit on that and wait for a stockholder meeting. They were going to like say, hey, you know, to all the hundred, how many ever million people, thanks. But if you haven't experienced this, experience it now on Netflix. You know, like they are trying to capitalize on all these things because it's just kind of like a mind share. Um, you know, it's if you if you want to get money. You got to take over the mind. And I feel like marketing has a huge thing to do with that. Yeah. And like Netflix on Twitter, like has like five different Twitter account, Twitter accounts and like Instagrams and like, you know, Netflix versus Netflix geek versus like Netflixo at night, you know, all this like random stuff. <laughs> Netflix so, at night. Yeah. Um, and they were just 
posting Squid Game memes like all over on a weekend, like a couple weekends after the, the show came out. And I was like, oh, is this Squid Game? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're they're really kicking it up a notch. Memes but- have made it so easy to figure out what the zeitgeist is. Yes. Currently. Yeah. Because right now, like, I guess last week we had you season three came out. Yeah. Never gotten into you. Like, no, I it's about struggle. a stalker. Yeah, it's interesting though. Like, I saw the trailer for ep- for episode one, season one, but I it just takes so much for me to get into a TV show, and I'm not about to you know drop three seasons for this place. Um, but <laughs> it's funny to <laughs> it's funny to see kind of like the memes come in and out, and then Dune happened, and so now there's a lot of Dune memes. Oh man, Dune! Um, I'm in the zeitgeist of Dune. Yeah, and see, I haven't like. I haven't gone into it because I've I've seen people go into it and I was like, hey, this is a good sci-fi flick. I could have easily watched this on Netflix and have been happy. You know, like well, yeah. this could have been a Netflix show. Like, and that's and to me, it's like, okay, well, maybe like I'm already going to Eternals next week. Like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I've got I've got games to play. Yeah. I got Dead by Daylight to play. So it definitely feels like from both of your perspectives that it's always like a presence of mind thing where it's if you're particularly in the mood for something when it comes to your attention and it seems like a lot of it is that as matt mentioned kind of this grinding away to say hey if you didn't experience now maybe this is kind of a target as me you know maybe for squid game that you didn't experience this yet but if we continually throw it at you show it to you mention it to you bring it up to you you know one week, two weeks, 10 weeks down the line that eventually you'll be at the point where you're ready to experience it. And I think that's what they're kind of waiting for, right? And, you know, on the flip side, I feel like one, that can be a positive thing, right? Because it could be something that is great, right? You know, I haven't seen Squid Game myself, but because of how far, how much farther we get from it and the fact that people continue to say that it was a good show, that they did enjoy it, then I think that further reinforces the fact that, oh, maybe I should watch this, right? Because people's opinions aren't changing. Mm-hmm. It's not that everyone was wrapped up in the hype at the moment and they thought it was good, but then you think about it some more and then you change your opinion later on. I think it's more telling that the longer you move out from something and the longer you hold that opinion to say it was something enjoyable, then it's more worth it. And so in that case for me in Squid Game, I'm like, okay, people continue to say it's good. That definitely when I get around to watching it, whenever that may be, you know, whether it's next week or next month or next year, that hopefully I still enjoy it as well, right? Because if it is something that I think is good, then it will still be good, right? It won't change. Yeah. And so on on that note, I wanted to bring up kind of the two things that particularly, not to say that I actually watched these things, but it seemed like people's opinions changed, especially when these things ended. I wasn't, I was even more disinterested in them. The first being Game of Thrones, you know, and that I feel like a lot of people harp on how it wraps up, mm-hmm. right? Because I think what season eight's the final mm-hmm. season, and a lot of people have problems with that. And so there is a lot there that not, you know, I've never watched an episode of Game of Thrones, but part of that is just due to the fact that people say it ends poorly. And I think the farther we get from it, right? Uh, 
you know, Game of Thrones, such a hot show when it was running, right? People love the first initial seasons, but the farther you get out and the fact that we learn slash, you know, the public learns the ending isn't as good as it could have been makes me even more disinterested than I already was. And the fact that, right, it is this kind of just weird medieval political fantasy struggle that I'm not necessarily, that's not my type of story I'm interested in, but also the fact that it doesn't end nicely. And so... I think in that regard, it was even better for me to wait till it wrapped up. And then I was even, you know, I had an even better perspective past the zeitgeist to say, yes, it might have been good. And maybe it's something that people will say, hey, go watch like seasons one through five and stop. Because I heard it's like six through eight Mm -hmm. is when it starts to go downhill. So that that's like a very interesting insight to me where I'm like, if I ever do decide to watch it, that might be the route I go. Maybe I just say, hey, for me, Game of Thrones stopped at season five. Like, I don't even need to worry about six through eight as far as I'm concerned. But I think there's some interesting takeaways you can kind of learn the farther you get from it that the zeitgeist might be warranted, right? The hype for something could be warranted at the time, just not for all of it. And so you can kind of get a better picture of whether or not you might like something. Uh, and another thing, and this, you know, my co-host here won't be as, uh, I guess, well, no, or won't have the knowledge of this, but I think this is bigger in the anime community. And that is the Monogatari series. So this is a series of manga that's in Japan. That's very popular. And specifically, you know, this was adapted into an anime that has several seasons dating back to, I think, 2010 was the first season that aired. But this is done by an author, and I forget the author uh, off the top of my head what his name is. But he's known for kind of insightful commentary on Japanese culture and also very strong wordplay or puns in his writing. And I think this is something that, you know, I've watched about four seasons of this with a friend of mine who was interested in watching it. And it wasn't something that despite a lot of people in the anime, you know, community enjoy that I don't think I could ever really get into beyond what I've watched, mostly because the fact that it is so tightly knit with Japanese culture and the language itself, right? A lot of the stuff is play on words is kind of, you know, double entendres and and things of that nature that because I don't know Japanese myself and I'm watching it via subtitles, it's hard for me to really appreciate the writing because, you know, I can say, Oh, people say it's really good writing and I can accept that. But because it, you know, I have to watch it subtitled and it goes through a layer of translation. I don't think I get the same thing, right? Because as best as you can translate things, it's never one-to-one from the original writing, right? I know, and I heard this kind of comes up with Squid Game where some people say don't watch it with the actual subtitles, but watch it with the closed caption no, subtitles because it's no, a better don't, don't watch it with closed caption subtitles. Don't watch it watch with, it with the English subtitles because okay. closed caption is just the the copy of the English dub. dub. Right. Okay. So yeah, in that case, right. Then you get to those specifics and uh, the Monogatari series doesn't have that problem, but as best as those translations do for the subtitles, it doesn't fully capture slash. I don't think you can fully appreciate it. And so there for that kind of difference in language, I think it's hard for me and I'm not calling out to say Monogatari is bad. It's just, I can't appreciate as much as, the anime community does just because I don't know Japanese. Mm. So it's, it's much harder to get across that extra layer of just cultural difference. Right. So, you know, not to say that I want to learn Japanese in order to appreciate, cause that's a very daunting task, but 
you know, hopefully for the people out there that have, you know, watched it, I'm pointing to you guys. I appreciate your guys' appreciation for it. I'm sure it's amazing. To me, though, it's just a lot of interesting storylines that don't necessarily make sense the whole time, but, you know, I, I appreciate it for what it is. So with that, I mean, do you do you guys have anything else you want to mention? I feel like we we've had a good conversation today. I really understand that the zeitgeist, as Tiffany mentioned, it is that kind of prevalent feeling, right? It's not necessarily as Matt mentioned, also the flash in the pan, but it's something that if the thoughts and feelings endure over time, that's really what creates a zeitgeist. And Matt also mentioned, right, the fact that there are a lot of time loop type stories being told this year definitely is interesting and so you know kind of going off of that to say oh are these also can you call zeitgeist a trend and i don't want to delve into that topic in this episode because that that could probably be a whole nother topic (laughs) but i think you can probably look at these things and see hey you know the way stories are being told or the types of media that's being produced these days might follow certain zeitgeist yeah i think i mean that's similar to a fad like you could kind of call it that way. But um, I feel like honestly of a lot of people that I know, Alex, you're the most resistant to zeitgeist. Like, I think you. For for the record, I'm not, I don't think she's trying to call me a hipster. And I'm, I'm definitely don't think I. No, I'm not hipster, calling you a hipster. But... I'm just saying that you literally are like the most stubborn person ever with things that are not video games. I literally say one throwaway, like, this game was kind of fun. And then, like, the moment it goes on sale a year later, you're like, hey, this game's on sale. You said it was kind of fun. I'm going to get it. And I'm literally, like, (laughs) on the other side, I'm like, watch Loki, the show on Disney+. Plus. It's amazing. And you're like, meh. So, like, or, like, the fact that I'm like, I'm going to go see Eternals in theaters. And you're like, meh. Like, I, I don't, you just, just you it's strange to me but you know to each their own you'll spend the 12 dollars on that random video game i've talked about four times instead of a movie theater ticket to a movie i've been talking about since 2020 so i guess there's that (laughs) (laughs) right and not to say you know tiffany's recommended a lot of things that she points out eternals as an idea i think specifically for eternals I think they've just done a very poor job at advertising it. And this kind of, you know, goes back to our trailer episode where we talk about, right, for especially for movies, it runs a fine line of how much you show in a trailer, right? Because obviously for movies, what they can show really is only scenes from the movie, right? Whereas I think for a lot of other media, especially games, technically they can make a lot of stuff that isn't in the game, right? Like it's a lot of pre-rendered trailers, or just like commentary trailers. And so there's typically a wider variety of things you can do to advertise a game without actually spoiling it as opposed to a movie. And so not to say that Eternals is absolved of poor advertising because of the fact that they don't want to spoil things, but also at least for me, they I haven't crossed that line with their own advertising to convince me of it. But I, I do agree with Tiffany's statement that I typically am very concern slash I really dive deep into things that I potentially might be interested in before I actually go out and purchase a ticket or buy a game mostly because right 
in order to experience these things, it really comes down to time. And so I think the excuse I'm making for myself is if I think it's going to waste my time, I tend to just stay on the safer side and not try to engage with it at all. Mostly because, right, time is something you don't get back. And I think a lot of us realize that to say, mm-hmm. hey, there's no way to earn more time in life. And so for me, I, I really don't want to come out of a movie saying that was a waste of two hours of my life because, right, I'll, you don't get that time back. And I think... I probably, if I come to that conclusion after a movie ends, I think I could probably reach that beforehand if I do enough research. Mm. Whether that is just waiting for the movie to come out and see more people's opinions about it, or whether or not I go see the source material if it's based on something and I see what the story is and what the stories they're telling there. But I, I think for me, I just like to be more self-critical about do I actually want to spend my time on this? Because, right, it... it it is a time and money thing to say. You don't get that back. Like money you can earn more of, right, at any point. But the time is really the factor to say, is this a worthwhile you experience? Know, spe- expenditure of my time, right, experience. And so, yeah. Not to say I'm just overly negative slash overly critical of things, but I just, I want to see, is it really good? And it seems like for something like Squid Game, you know, I haven't heard really people say bad things about it. So I'm like, oh, maybe the zeitgeist is true. Maybe this isn't a, kind of a real thing to say, oh, I should go watch this. And yes, I, I will watch it. Eventually. Our mother stayed awake throughout the entire show. That's already a compliment of itself. <laughs> right. And with that, that brings us to the end of episode 49 of the RXP podcast. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on the stuff we've talked about today by writing in to rxp.packeyes at gmail.com or tweeting at us at rxp underscore podcast. Shout out to Grandmaster Doug for our theme music. And with that, until next time, take care. Like eight years, they have met every week for eight years. <laughs> he gets he dresses to impress new people, you know.